Good morning, everyone. It's always good to be in the house of God. It's good to worship. I love the Lord. I love His Word. Church, I hope that you spend time in your Word. If you don't, you are losing out on just tremendous uh, truth. I, I love the Word of God. love to study it. love to see what's in it. Uh, I love to even have questions sometimes and doubts sometimes, but you confront them with the Word of God, and God will give you answers. He'll show you and teach you things from His Word. So I love the Word, love the Bible. Um, real quickly, I know that we have some water fountains that are not functional right now. Maybe it's bugging a few of you. They are a priority of ours. We're not just ignoring them. We'll get them. It's just they're not very cheap, as a matter of fact. Those water fountains are probably... 20 years old, however old the church is, that's how old they are, and our water is very hard. So we will get new water fountains at some point, so please be patient. Um, also, next week, I was going to do it today, but I don't want to overwhelm people with all kinds of different announcements, but next week we'll be doing another, uh, I'll pass around another clipboard uh, sign-up sheets for our next study that we'll be doing. It starts in a little over a month, sometime middle of March or something like that. But it's called the insanity of obedience, and it is a pretty good one. Um, the only bad news is the cheapest I can find the books is about fifteen bucks. Um, I will look some more. I try. We try to make these studies as cheap as we can. I know it's nice if the book's only five bucks or so, but the cheapest I can find this book's uh, kind of you get it from the publisher only, and I can't find it anywhere for very cheap. So. Hopefully $15 isn't too bad, but we'll have that sign-up going around next week. Um, I also wanted to reiterate real quickly, in your bulletins this morning, you did have the bulletin insert um, for the Muskingum County Children's Services, the little list of stuff that we need. You heard uh, Mrs. Mole's uh, presentation this morning. Let's take that stuff seriously. Um, we will start gathering that stuff. We'll go for about a month or so and try to gather as many of those backpacks as we can. That's another small way that this church can help in our community. So don't please don't just wad that up and throw it away and think someone else will do it. Let's take this serious and shouldn't cost you a whole lot of money, but that's a little way that we can help as an organization. We can help and fulfill a need in this community. So please um, keep that little flyer in your bulletin. And maybe you can uh, come up with a, a backpack for our, for our kids that are in need. So, Okay, I'll, I'll cease and desist with all the announcements. And I'm kind of excited to preach the word this morning. Um, everybody awake yet? Good morning. Good morning. Okay, that's a little bit better. Good. Uh, if you, you ever heard me preach much, you'll know. If you ever talk much with me, well, I've already told you I love the Bible, but I especially love... Genesis. I, I love the story of creation. Uh, matter of fact, if you uh, are involved at all with our Sunday evenings, you will remember we did a class called Foundations. I think it was a 12-week class or so from Ken Ham, which he has a tremendous organization. But the Foundations class focused on Genesis, especially chapters 1 through 11, kind of the creation account in the early history of the earth. And I, I'm just fascinated by it. But I believe it very much. I love to read it. it. You can think you know, yeah, you've read Genesis a few times. You know, but if you read it over and over, just new things keep coming to life. And I love 
the account that is recorded in Genesis. I believe it to be literally true. That God created the heavens and the earth, all this stuff in six days, and he rested the seventh. I believe what Genesis chapter 1 says. I believe it to be literally true. In the beginning, God. God spoke this stuff into existence. He spoke the universe into existence. He spoke the earth into existence. He formed it all with his hands. And I just think it's fascinating that he did all these things. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 you don't have to turn there but the first part of that verse says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God God's word spoke out of his mouth he exhaled he he spoke these things and stars came to be the sun the solar system the earth water mountains trees all this stuff that we see God spoke it into existence and I actually literally believe that is how it happened I love Genesis especially those first 11 chapters. He spoke them all into existence. Listen to this. I've I've preached on this scripture before, but I wanted to read it again today. Psalms 95 verse 5 says, The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you're anything like me at all, but when I see some beauty in creation, when I see the mountains and all the neat stuff that God made, I actually just marvel at it. Does anyone else just marvel at the things that God has created? I mean, I look at the human body alone. Now, we can do surgeries to it. We can fix it and repair it, and it's all neat and stuff like that, but Think about now, now, mankind is pretty slick. We can work and, you know, repair broken bones and fix sicknesses, all this kind of stuff. But what must the being be like that invented the human body? I, I look at what he's created. What must the being be like that invented water, that invented the sun, that spoke a star into existence. What must he be like? I look at these things. I look up at night and I see the stars, the Milky Way, the big galaxy. And I think, what must he be like that his mind can create and conjure these things and he speaks them into existence? Boy, I, I just look at all this stuff and I think, holy moly. I think we have a very, very little glimpse of God. As the only thing, because we're human beings, God is so big and so awesome. That he exhales and stars come out. I exhale and you say, get away, you have bad breath. That's what I got. God exhales and stars come out. I just love to observe and marvel the handiwork of God. My family and I, when we do a vacation, we try to go somewhere that's beautiful, that we can observe something neat. And you see some of these cool things that the Lord has made, deserts, mountains, and they're just wondrous to me. When you see those things, it's almost like you get a little glimpse at the one who made them, who thought of them. Just gives you a little peek into God. Now, this morning, we're not going to talk about the whole creation story. That's too big. Just one special part of it. Um, But in order to do so, uh, allow me to run through real quickly the six-day creation. Day one, we know that God created the night and the day, okay? He separated them, and it was good. God looked on it, and it was good. Day two, a little bit tricky, but the firmaments, okay? 
I, I have some neat theories I like to talk to people on what that actually means. We won't get into that today. But God made the firmaments. He separated the firmaments, the waters from above and below. Uh, day three, the dry land, the plants and the trees is what he did on the third day. And God looked and it was good. In the night and the day were day three. Okay, then it goes on to day four. He creates the sun and the moon. Remember, he creates the bright light and the lesser light. to One to rule the day and one to rule the night. He creates that on day four. Day five, he creates the fish and the birds. All the creatures that we find in our oceans and then all the fowls of the air. And God looked and he saw that it was good. In the evening, in the morning, were the fifth day. Day six, now here's kind of what we want to get to, but day six... The first part of it, God creates, it says, the beasts of the field. You can all read this sometime for yourself. He creates animals, everything that creeps upon the earth. He creates all that stuff on the first part of day six. But we want to focus on the next part in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is the part we're going to focus on this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says... Now remember, he had created all those things I just mentioned. And now we're at verse 26. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every other creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Okay, so when we get up to sixth day, and then God makes the beasts of the field, all the stuff that creeps upon the earth. We have a fully functional earth. The ecosystem's up and going. There's water flowing. There's stars. There's sun, moon. There's oceans. There's stuff in the oceans. There's animals. But there's no man yet. So then God creates this man. Okay? Man is the last thing. We have to take note of this. Man is the last thing that God makes. Okay, in Genesis 1.26, let's look at that first part. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but I noticed something strange. The Bible says this, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now, if you listen to any theologians, this is accepted as a reference to the Holy Trinity when God says, let us make man in our image. It, you know what I find strange about that is we see here that it's almost as if God is confide, or conferring with the Holy Trinity when he goes to make man. When he, it, this doesn't happen when he's making beasts, when he's making the mountains, when he's making the sun and the moon. He does not consult the Holy Trinity. When it says, less us, he's not talking to angels. Angels are created being. God goes to the, the, the Holy Trinity and he says, let us make man in our own image. Almost as if he's consulting with the Holy Trinity. Hey, what do you think about mankind? Let's, let's make man now. So he's, there's something special here about man that's different from the beasts. Something that's different from the stars that he made. He doesn't consult the Trinity when he makes all that other stuff. Actually, if you read all that, it, all of it prior to man, it just says, and God said. Or, it, or it'll say, and God made. But then when we get up to man, God, mankind being made, everything else is created. God consults this holy trinity when he goes to make mankind. Why? Because there's something special. 
about this creation called mankind. There's something different about man. He doesn't discuss creation, creation at all with the Trinity except when it comes to mankind. He doesn't say let us create beasts in our image. He doesn't say let us create the sun in our image. No, all of it is God made it all, but then he gets to man, and there's something different about man. He made everything, and he saw that it was good. Everything that he made, he looked at it, he made the sun, he made the planets, he made the solar system, he made the universe, and God looked at it, and he saw that it was good. What he made was good. But when it comes to mankind, isn't it strange that he consults, he, he confers with the Trinity? Why? Because there's something different about mankind. Well, it's almost like God created all that stuff in the first five days and in the first part of day six when he made the beasts. It's like he created all that just to work up to the creation of mankind. Almost as though the creation of mankind is the climax of Genesis chapter 1, that he's working up to it, working up to it, and there he gets to his final crowning achievement. He consults with the Holy Trinity, and he makes mankind. All of it to work up to the creation of mankind. You know, if you read Genesis chapter 1, whenever God creates something, he would step back and it says, and God saw that it was good. But if you read on, I won't read it today, it'll take up too much time, but if you read on in Genesis chapter 1 when God creates man, he actually steps back after that, he blesses them, says be fruitful and multiply, fill up the earth. He steps back and he saw that it was very good. All the other things are good, but when he creates man, he says he saw that it was very good. There's something special about man is what I'm saying this morning. Okay, he's not just a fish or a beast or a star. There's something different about man. He saved us for last. This special creation called mankind, he saved us for last. Listen, to prove that mankind was God's crowning achievement of creation, to prove that mankind was the climax of creation, God even gives mankind dominion over all the fish the fowl the cattle of all the earth and everything that creeps on it god says mankind i give you dominion over everything that i have made you can have charge of it you can take care of it you can manage what i have made god gives that to man why because man is special man is distinct from all those other things that he made there's something about mankind God gives man rule over it all. Now we see that this is self-evident still to this day. Mankind has dominion. Have you ever, listen to me now, have you ever drove past or heard of cattle? You know, we got lots of cows in Ohio. Maybe you drove past a, uh, uh, a farm and you've seen cattle. Have you ever seen those cows voting on a piece of legislature? You haven't, have you? Have you ever seen... Uh, dogs come up with a system of economic trade you haven't have you of course not why because they don't have the ability to govern themselves animals do not man was given that responsibility okay have you ever seen a jury of 12 consistent of giraffes you never have have you they didn't set they they don't have the ability to set these systems up god didn't give that to them 
They were not given that authority, okay? God gave man that responsibility. Why? Because there's something special about man. Listen, I had a, this is the honest truth. You can ask my wife. I had a dog one time years ago that ate an Afghan. It, it ate an Afghan. You know what an Afghan is, those blankets? My grandma used to make them and my dog ate it. I have a cat right now. This is the, this is the honest truth. I have a cat right now. She's at home. She doesn't know how much to eat. If I put the cat's entire three-pound or five-pound bag of food, it would eat itself to death or until it's sick and puking like crazy. So I have to ration out its food. The cat doesn't even know how much to eat. Have you ever seen a wildebeest with a cap and gown on graduating at a university? No, we don't see those things. It's ridiculous. Why? Because only mankind has created institutes of higher learning. Only mankind has created legal systems and welfare systems and economies. God gave man dominion over the earth. Why? Because there's something special about the creation of mankind. It was the climax of God's creation story. He made man and gave him dominion over all of it. You manage it all. You know, I can go out and shoot a deer. I know we have deer hunters in here. Or a bird or whatever. And I don't get convicted of murder. Now, there can be certain laws, you know, protecting some species in open seasons and closed seasons, so on and so forth. But I don't get convicted of murder. Why? Because man is distinct from animals. We're set above animals. Mankind is above animals. Okay? Let's go back to that scripture in Genesis again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to read that again, but we're going to read the next verse as well. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So listen, God not only uh, makes mankind last, last of all, God not only confers with the Holy Trinity when he makes mankind, and God not only gives man dominion over all the earth, he also makes us in his image. Mankind is created in the image of God, after his likeness. Now, I believe that a lot of us do not have any idea of what that actually means. I think some of us think, well, you know, a head, torso, arms, legs. You know, maybe God looks similar to us. But the Bible says God's not a man. The Bible actually says God is a spirit. I don't think us church folks really know what that means, that we are made in the image of God. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? You know what it means? It means that we have the mark of God upon us. We have the signature of God inside of us. Cows don't. Dogs don't. Yes, he made them, but they're not made in his image. Mankind is made in the image of God. We bear the image of God inside of us. We are in His similitude. We're made after His likeness. We carry inside of us the image of God. You know, it's, it's almost like God stamped mankind with a special stamp. 
It's almost like God, each one of us is a one-off, you know, like a signature, like the artist has signed us personally, each one of us made in the image of God. Yes, I will give it to you that we are marred by sin. Some of us make tremendous nightmare wrecks out of our lives. And even if they're a drug dealing, murderer, criminal, thief, whatever, that person is still a human being made in the image of God. Yes, we mar it by layers and layers of sin, but deep down in there, that person bears the stamp of God inside of them. Not cats, not dogs. Man is different than the animals. You might ask, well, how do you know that? Well, number one, it says we're created in God's image. But listen to this verse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you see the answer in there? God breathed into us. Well, you can say, well, the animals are alive just like us. Yes, but nowhere in the Bible does it say, except for man, that man became a living soul. The cats, dogs, much as you might like your pets, they don't have a soul inside of them. See, that's the special, distinct thing about mankind that separates us from the animals is God breathed life into us just like he did all other living things, but when it comes to mankind, he made us a living soul. That's the image of God. There's the spirit man inside of us that goes on into eternity. That's the mark of God in us. And man became a living soul. Doesn't say that about giraffes, donkeys, zebras. Nowhere in there does it say, and they became living souls. God breathed life into us and put a soul inside of us. That's the, the special mark that God has put inside of you. He put a soul in you. It just amazes me. How many people, especially that the world's becoming more and more post-Christian and just more and more modern and more and more progressive or whatever they call it, how many people could care less about their soul? So many people just living for today and don't care at all about the soul inside of them. It amazes me. You know, that soul inside of you, that's what makes you special. That's what separates you from the animals. You have intrinsic value just for that fact alone. You might say, well, I'm not athletic. You might say, well, I'm not very handsome or I'm not very pretty. None of those things actually matter. You could actually stink at everything you do and be terrible at everything that you do. Everything your hand touches turns to mush. You might be no good at everything. No good at public speaking. No good at taking tests. No good at drawing. No good at shooting a basketball. But it doesn't matter. You still have the stamp of God on you. You still bear the image of God inside of you. You have a soul inside of you. Mankind is the one that measures other mankind and thinks other people are worth more than others. Mankind does that. The Bible teaches that God is no respecter of persons. Well, I see on Judgment Day some real important people are going to come walking up to God and He's going to look at them just like He does a little baby. They're all going to be the same in the eyes of God. He's going to look at them as souls. Give an account for your life. You might be clumsy. You might be no good at everything. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have the mark of God upon you. You're mankind. 
You're, you're something special. You're not an animal. You bear the mark of God. And if you bear the mark of God, if you're made in the image of God, that makes you something special. It does. It makes you distinct. Listen, you could be horrible at everything, but you still, still possess the dignity of being a human being. And that gives you the sanctity of life. You know, that you hear people debating abortion and this and that, and you always hear, well, Christian people were against abortion. That is why. That is, all our other arguments can go away. It's because we're made in the image of God that affords us the sanctity of life. Yeah, we've, we've developed tests to check, you know, in pregnant mothers if the unborn baby has a certain disease. Mankind has developed these tests. And if the baby has a certain disease, then we can, we can take care of it. You know, even if that baby has the worst disease, the most debilitating disease, that baby is made in the image of God. You know, Hitler rounded up all kinds of people that he thought were less advanced races, and he killed them all. Killed millions and millions and millions of people. Many dictators have rounded up people and killed millions of people over the years. He rounded up, Hitler rounded up people with some sicknesses. He rounded up people with diseases. He rounded up people that might have been blind. Or if someone come walking to him on a cane, he took them in and he dissected them and killed them. Because he looked on them as less desirable. He exterminated them. Millions of them. Listen to what Exodus chapter 4 says. Moses tried to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm not eloquent at speaking or at, at talking, Lord. I'm not. You picked the wrong person. And Exodus 4.11 says, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And I, I tell you this, church, may God have mercy on this nation for what we have done to the unborn. May God have mercy on every last one of us because it scares me. All of the babies that we have terminated all through history, may God have mercy on us. Those babies had the mark of God on them. They were individuals. You know, the Bible in other translations says that I use the King James. It doesn't say this in the King James, but it says we were knit together in the womb. It's like the hands of God individually knit those babies, individually knit each one of us together. But we don't believe in the sanctity of life anymore. But God's saying, what are you doing? They're, they're made in my image. Every person is made in my image, in his likeness. All those people that Hitler killed and dissected had the mark of God on them. You know, society wants to euthanize our age. Society wants to abort the unborn. I think we're over 50 or 60 million since Roe v. Wade in 1972 or whenever that was. Millions and millions of millions of people killed that bore the image of God. That were human beings. That deserved to be born 
if any other reason, but they had the image of God on them. You know why? You know, and nowadays, you, you've heard, I know you hear this too, you've heard infanticide come on the news, right? There, there are some people running for office that are okay with infanticide. After the baby is born, we can get rid of the child. We can take care of this problem. How can this be? How can it be? You know, I, I can tell you how it is. It's because the enemy has come into our society, to our nation, and he has sown the lie that mankind is not made in the image of God. You are not made in the image of God. No, 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 that is not true. The Bible's not true. Man is not special. Man is an animal. That, that's what the lie is in our society. That's what we teach in our schools. That's what we propagate in our universities. That mankind is not made in the image of God. You're no different than an animal. Life is not sacred. It's just as sacred as a cow's. You understand, if you believe that and you teach that man is not made in the image of God, listen to me, then life has no meaning. There is no purpose to you existing. You are a random mistake of nature. That is it. You're wandering around aimlessly with no point whatsoever. And the only thing that awaits you is a cold grave of annihilation. You are a byproduct of random chance processes if you're not in made in the image of God. You're a mistake of nature. You're here just out of a random roll of the dice. And you have no purpose. You have no meaning. There's nothing but a cold grave that awaits you. You know, we see this is evident in our society with random violence, shootings, killings, murders, abortion, infanticide, euthanasia. We've lost the sanctity of life. People no longer believe they're made in the image of God. That's not what the Bible, the Bible says you have the stamp of God in you. But when we teach this to our children and we teach this in our university, then this is what happens. Man's just another animal. You're no special than a snake. I believe this is why we've killed so many babies. Because this is what we teach. That's why we have so much violence in our nation and in our schools. It's what we teach our children. You're an animal. And we wonder why they act like animals. Listen, but on the other hand, if you believe and teach people that they're made in the image of God, then that places value on every single human being's life. The diseased, the blind, the people that are awesome at basketball, the people that are terrible at basketball. All of the people, the young, the old, it says you are valuable. You are special. God handcrafted you. He made you. That's what it does. It means that there is a purpose. It means that there is a reason that I'm here on this planet. It means that there is a point to existing after all. Even if you're not good at anything, there still is a point for you existing. Because you're made in the image of God. From the oldest person to the unborn, they have value to God. They're valuable.
to God. You know, it's like a coin. Uh, you take out some coins and it has an inscription on it. That's us. We have the inscription of God in us. Even if you say, I don't believe in God. Even if you say, I don't care about what the Bible says. That individual that makes those statements is still made in the image of God. Like a coin that bears the inscription of a king, we bear the inscription of God in our souls. Listen, listen to this now. Being made in the image of God is so important that God gives us an extreme warning about it. Okay, Remember when the earth was flooded and then Noah and his family come to repopulate the earth? God makes a covenant with Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, God says this. And this is one of his laws, one of his commands. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoso sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Those are the words of God. He's speaking to Noah after the flood. That The sanctity of life is so important that God says, If you kill someone else, you don't deserve to be on the planet that I made. That, that's how precious it is to him. I don't want that person on this planet. Therefore, we're going to institute capital punishment if you kill someone, you murder someone, you don't deserve to be on this. That's such a warning. Because, and then why is it? Because in the image of God made he man. That's the reason why. He's saying if you murder someone, you're not fit to be on this planet. Why? Because that person that you murdered was made in the image of God. You know, I've heard uh, theologians say um, that one of the worst things, or the worst thing that a human being can do is murder someone. And why is that? Because when a person murders someone, that person is destroying the image of God. One of the worst things, the worst things that a human being can do is destroy the image of God. Brothers and sisters, all lives are sacred to God. They all are. The seeing, the blind, the lame, those that can jump, run fast, those that are slow, they're precious to God. Listen, you are of infinite value to God. Infinite value. That means there cannot be a dollar figure placed on your life. Now, mankind can say, well, he's pretty valuable. He's highly educated. He's a CEO of a company. His net worth is $90 billion or whatever it is. Mankind does that, but to God, your soul is worth infinite value. No monetary amount can be assigned to the value of your soul. None. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 6 says, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. This is the words of God. He's saying, bring all the people of the earth, as many as will. Bring them all. Why? Because I made them for my glory. I formed them. Brothers and sisters, 
We're made in the image of God. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. If I could uh, have Rod and the band please begin to make their way back up. I'll bring this to a close. Listen, you bear the image of God in you. He loves you. He made you. You are valuable to Him. You don't have to be good at sports. You don't have to be good at anything. Just for that fact alone that you're made in the likeness, in the similitude of God. That fact alone, you don't need any other facts. Just that one fact, I am made in the image of God. If everything you do fails, the job that you want fails, your friends and families leaves you. All those things can hurt and be painful, but one reason that you should get up out of bed every morning and keep on going forward is because you are made in the image of God. You're not a clone. There's not dozens of you walking around on this planet. There's only one of you. You're a one-off. You're a signature series individual. God made you and He signed you. You know, when I was young, I used to collect baseball cards and they were worth a whole bunch of money if you had the signature of the person on it. That's each one of us has the signature of God in us. God knit us together in the womb and signed us. And then He gave us life and breathed into us, breathed into our nostrils, and man became a living soul. Don't let the world infiltrate our thinking and and take away that sanctity of life. The world propagates that we are not made in the image of God. We are. And you know what? We need to treat each other like the other people in this church. The other people that we work with, that they're made in the image of God. You know, we work with people. I've worked with people that have gotten on my worst nerves. I've worked with people I don't care to ever see again. They can be loud and obnoxious and cantankerous, but that person marred by sin, we're marred by sin as well, is made in the image of God. We need to treat them. In the book of James, when James is telling us how evil our tongues are and how it produces sweet water and bitter water and it shouldn't be so, he says to us, don't you know that those other people were made in the image of God? Boy, if we could just grasp this. You don't have to be the most handsome. You don't have to be fast. You're made in the image of God. Just by being a human being, you are of an infinite value to God. You have a soul in you marked by God. Listen, I'll, I'll open these altars up uh, and the band begins to sing. But uh, one last thing. If the devil has been beating you up, if he's been stomping on you, telling you that you're worthless, telling you that you're no good, telling you that this world is better off without you, it's a lie. We have proved it wrong this morning. It is wrong for one reason, and we don't need any more, because you're made in the image of God. You have that sanctity of life inside you, the signature of God. And you and I are called to reflect His image to the rest of the world and treat other people in this world that they're made in the image of God also. What what would happen in our nation if we begin to treat each other like we were all made in the image of God. What wonderful things would it do in our society? It would be wonderful. I want to open these altars. Let's pray. 
And as we do, don't let the enemy, tell the enemy to shut up. Bind him in Jesus' name if he's telling you you're worthless or you're no good or you're not good at anything. Curse him in Jesus' name because you are of tremendous, infinite worth. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We love you, Lord God. And Lord, I just love Genesis 1, how you, how you work up to a climax when you make mankind, Lord. Your crowning achievement of creation, you gave them dominion over the fish and the sea and the plants and the animals, Lord God. But Lord, the most important fact of it all is that we are made in your image, in your likeness, in your similitude. Oh God, how grateful we are for that. That fact alone gets us up out of bed in the morning. Oh, I love you so much for it, Lord, because if it's not true, Lord, then nothing has any meaning. It's all purposeless and just floating around randomly, Lord. Lord, I'm so glad that you're made in your image. I'm so glad that my fellow church members are made in your image because we have meaning and we have purpose assigned to our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open, church. Worship.